is my pleasure to introduce Steve this morning, who's going to share something fantastic. I know not what it is. Oh, you're on the mic. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Can you hear? You can hear. Okay. I will need this thing switching over. This. Jen, whilst you're just there, can we just, just flick the switch for us, please? Great, then all been well. Ah, that's looking like it's going to do something. This is kind of a another crucial time in oh, good. a crucial time in the life of the planet when we've got North Korea um, facing down the nations and keep moving ahead with its. Uh, nuclear armament uh, aspirations and wanting to rule the world and America sending one of its fleets and uh, aircraft carrier to try and um, bring some deterrent and working with various other nations. It's an unsettling time as if the world wasn't unsettled enough. Are you feeling that? Uh, because when I look back at some of the newsreels in uh, decades gone by when there was the Cold War era with Russia and it looked like we were going to have the World War III with Russia and the rest of the world and um, seeing some of the reality of what people were feeling like at that particular point kind of hits home and here we are almost again on the brink of World War III. There's all kinds of things happening. That's, that's, that's making us feel shaky in the natural or could make us feel shaky. So I think that's why the Lord's been speaking to us about being planted because it's important that we are settled where God wants us to be. You're quiet this morning. Is it, it, come on now, just, just, just uh, work with me this morning. And uh, please bring your offerings as well and your tithes. Um, don't throw it, just, just bring it, that would be great. If anybody hasn't had one of these calendars yet, uh, a free uh, Israel calendar, if you haven't already had one, please take one of those. Uh, I started a uh, series a few weeks ago now about God being a master builder, amen? God is a master builder and he builds on the right foundations. And then we looked at Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. It's very easy for us to build our own house. And that really was what Carol was saying this morning. You know, we're just, it's, I'm, I'm just going to be self-sufficient. It's just me. I remember a phase I went through when I bought a self-sufficiency book and I was thinking about the future. And kind of thinking in a bit more of a context as well, a bit wider, but, you know, being self-sufficient, have a few chickens, you know, try and get some solar energy, 
try and do something where you're not reliant on the water board, you know. Try, try and be as self-sufficient as possible because, you know, when all hell breaks loose on the planet, you know, well, I, I'll be able to look after me and a few other friends, you know what I mean? But, but, but whilst some of that planning and all the rest of it is okay, because we've been and stayed with American friends where David Wilkerson says, you know, you need to have loads of water and you need to have this, you know, food and all the rest of it. And we stayed in somebody's house and in the basement there were, goodness knows how many of these huge drums where they'd got water in case America came to a standstill, you know. And uh, you can be almost feeling like that. But the key thing that comes out of Psalm 127 is, unless the Lord does it, we're just laboring in vain. You might as well forget it. You know, unless he builds the house, the, the laborers are actually building in vain. And it's pertinent to us because there's some guys building a house for Jenny and I. We, we're desperate to get in it, you know. We need to let God build our house, us. And he needs to build the church as well because so easy when people come and people go, you know, you're feeling like it's all down to you, and it, but it's the Lord. He's the one that's building it. Unless he's God in the city, the watchman, and many of us have got a watchman calling and a watchman anointing, Unless he's doing the watching and watching through us, we're just watching in vain because we might see something, but we can't do anything about it. But he's the one that's building. He's the one that's watching and we're working with him. Hallelujah. So we said that he builds his creation. He laid the foundations of the earth and he uses instruments like builders do today. It talks about him counting the handfuls of water in the sea, measuring off the sky with a ruler, gauging how much dust there is on the earth, weighing the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance. God uses those building instruments. And uh, I like this one in uh, Proverbs 8.27 where it says, When he prepared the heavens, I was there talking about wisdom, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep. Um, yeah, hallelujah. I was trying to think about the guy who actually wanted to check whether the world was flat. The, the sailor. Columbus. Columbus, that's it. He went to the, uh, the king and the queen of whatever nation he was in. I, my mind's fuzzy right now, Spain. On, on this scripture, because he really believed that the earth was round, but everybody else knew the earth was flat. It's amazing that there's still, with all the pictures we've had from space, there's still the Flat Earth Society, it's still in existence. Because some people won't be told, no matter what. And he went to the bank on the word of God that it was a circle, that God used the compass when he built the earth. And he discovered America, was it, and wherever else. So we, we said that Jesus was born not into the home of, of someone, uh, you know, who was a priest or served in the temple. He, w he didn't go to a farming family because there was a lot of farming that was in that society in Israel. But he ended up in the house of a carpenter, a person who was involved with building. And Jesus was taught as a young man how to build, how to work with wood. 
So our God's a builder, unless he builds, we're laboring in vain. But if he does build it, it cannot fail. And then the question is, what is he building? He's building a house, but he's not building a brick or a stone building. He's building a, a family. Exactly. Now, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible talks about the house of David, the house of Saul, and then with the Philippian jailer, it talks about he being saved and his whole house or his whole household, referring to his family. So we know that we are called together to be a family and also a city. Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 about us being a city set on a hill. Amen? We're the new Jerusalem. They are all metaphors for who we are. We're a people, a city, a bride, a temple. We're called sheep because we often go astray. That's right. But we are a body and we are a family, and that's so important. Abraham looked for a city, it said, whose maker and builder was God. So when God reveals himself, it's as a father, and that's what Jesus was attempting to do. Because in the Old Testament, you have very few references to God as father. But when Jesus came, his aim was to show us the father and to reveal that God wasn't just an austere judge, but he was a loving and caring father. And then when God comes to the earth, he comes as a, a son. And so we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit very much involved in that eternal relationship. So God's a builder, and he does build on families and guards the city, which is a collection of houses. He's building by families, and what he builds won't fail because what he builds, he guards. Amen. Now, that should give us great confidence with our lives and where God's taken us. But the question that I posed was, is he building your life or are you? And then I said, is God landlord or is he a tenant? In other words, is he in charge or are you in charge? Because that is a major issue in our lives. Have we given him full rights over our lives? Or are we just saying, well, you can come in, but on my terms. I'll let you into this part of my life, but you're not ruling that part. I'll go to church, but the rest of the week is mine. Okay, so how does God build? There are three major ways that God builds. First of all, he builds revelationally. Then he builds relationally. And then he builds generationally. Now, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked the question of the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to me, to you, but it was my Father. My Father has given you a revelation of who I am. So he'd seen Jesus, he'd walked and talked with Jesus, listened to what Jesus had got to say to him. But Jesus said, you've seen all that, but my father has given you a revelation. And on that rock of revelation, I am going to build my church. Now, Jesus, as we know, was talking about the ecclesia. This was the Greek word for church. 
it wasn't the Greek word koinonia, which is fellowship. And fellowship is important. We need fellowship. You're very quiet this morning. Is there a heaviness in the house or what? God wants us to be in koinonia. He wants us to be in relationship. He wants us to enjoy our relationship together. But he had in mind not just a fellowship where nice people come together and do nice things together, but he he had that idea of it being an ecclesia, a gathering of called out people who would have the government of God on their shoulders, knowing the authority that they were standing in, and that's some of what Gordon was saying this morning. We step into that place of authority, and then when we speak, it's as though God himself was speaking, and all of heaven and all of uh, hell hears what we're saying and stands to attention with what we say. That's why it's so key, and Gordon said it again this morning, what we say out of our mouths is so key to how we live, where we go, and how we move into the future. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And the rock of revelation is what God helps us to move into the fullness of what God has. Only God can reveal who he is to you. Because I had, I had a, a, an email in this last week sent from someone and they've said now they've got this revelation that the first five books of the Old Testament, you can, there's some mathematical algorithm in, the, in Luke that kind of matches with the first five books of Moses and it basically means that what Moses wrote in the Pentateuch, in, if you like, the Torah, that can be substantiated by the book of Luke, which is a New Testament writing. So, it should be so obvious to Jews and to Muslims that Jesus is the way. And whatever is in Luke, they must be following it. And it's like that this person wrote, this is checkmate. In other words, you can say to them, that Old Testament deal there, this is written and it's obvious in the book of Luke that that's that. So all of you Muslims and all of you Orthodox Jews need to become born-again believers. And that'll be it. They'll all turn to faith. And I'm reading this thing from this guy, and I'm thinking, it sounds great, it sounds plausible, but unless God gives you the revelation, you can argue a guy till he's blue in the face. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you can lay it all out there, but unless he gets a revelation, he ain't going to get it. First of all, his heart's got to be open. You know, we've got, we can't have a prideful heart. We've got to have a, a, a heart of humility to be able to receive but there has to be that working between God and us to get that revelation. So all of us need in our Christian lives, don't we, more and more revelation with what God's doing and where he's taking us. So God builds on the revelation of who he is, and that is the foundation of our lives. I'm just trying to go quick, and I'm noticing the time slipping away. So when you build, you do build on a solid foundation, is that right? Okay. 
So if you don't have a revelation of who Jesus is, then you have nothing on which to build, and only God can show us that. In other words, you know, or as an example, Jesus isn't just a good teacher because obviously many different religions know that Jesus exists primarily because history tells us that he existed. So you can't deny history, archaeology and all of that. But we know he's more than just a good teacher. Okay. If you've got a natural hunger for God, it's because he's put it there. And, and uh, in Isaiah 28, it says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not ask, act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line of righteousness, their plummet or the plumb line. So God wants to build into our lives. I'm moving quickly. Can you see that? Birth implies relationship. We're aware of that. We're not born by ourselves. It took other people to bring us into birth. And obviously, well, I don't know whether you know, but in Ephesians it says that you and I were chosen before the foundation of the earth. So before God created the planet, never mind about your mum and dad, your natural birth parents, um, he'd already chosen you. But it took more than just us. I did not decide to be born. Neither did you. It took other people to do that. And they made the decision, right? But when we are born, we're born into a family. Yes, when we're reborn, we're born into a family. And God sets every man, man member in the family just as it pleases him. Because it says in Ephesians 2, Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the, co the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Because the biggest thing that's going to bring a revelation of who God is, is when the true temple of the Lord Jesus Christ is built together, is knit together, is in a place of, of unity, and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells that body, and through that body releases the miraculous power and demonstration of God that is going to show to a world that the church has power and the church has something to say. Amen? Now, God sets leadership in place and delegates authority to them. In Romans 13, it talks that we need to be subject to the governing authorities because some people have an issue with authority. Can you believe it? Now, how I thought about it this week and what God was showing me was you can't stop the rain, can you? But you can get under God's covering. If you are, if it's raining and you bang an umbrella up, your head stays dry, right? So will your shoulders if it's big enough. Yes? Anybody ever tried to share an umbrella with somebody else, like especially a man with your wife? Because it's never in the right place, is it? I'm still getting wet. You're holding it the wrong way. Have you ever had that? She's not in here. I'm okay. So, because mum's the word. Whilst ever we're under the umbrella, we stay dry. Am I right? God has determined authority 
for our benefit. If you step out from under that umbrella, what happens? Yes, you get wet. Whilst you're under God's umbrella, you stay dry. Now, of course, you know, rain comes in all kinds of directions, doesn't it? But you understand, God places godly authority in our lives for a purpose. It's because he wants us to live in shalom. Wholeness, peace, nothing broken, nothing missing. Thank you. Exactly. That's how God wants us to be. And the moment that you and I step out of that, and either, let's say, in a church context especially, if you go outside of that context for counsel and authority or advice, you're stepping out from under the umbrella. So if Jenny and I suddenly think, you know what, it's time we moved on. You know what I mean? We wouldn't suddenly leave a letter under the door of the church. We, we would go to some of our leaders. We might go to David and Irene, or we might go to our apostolic team and say, look, we're struggling in this area, or whatever. Because the people that God's placed around us form that umbrella of protection for all of us. And if we stay there, then God is going to enable us to have these different things. Oh, hang on, I've pressed the wrong, I'm pressing it the wrong direction. It's coming. Did you like that? It took me a few minutes to work on that one. Bit of cutting and pasting and deleting. and That's good, that. <laughs> okay. So under God's umbrella, here's some things. Covenant relationship. Oh, that's a good one. David and Jonathan had an amazing covenant relationship with each other. And Jonathan knew that he should have been ruling with David and working with David. The problem was he couldn't get out of the old wineskin of his dad and he stayed with Saul and he died on the mountain. And he never moved into his destiny that God had for him because he stayed in an old move and didn't move into the new that David was forming. Covenant relationships are really, really key. Wise counsel, protection, releasing of gifts, blessings. There's loads of things that come under that umbrella when we stay under that umbrella. I want to say I love and appreciate the people that God has placed around me because I feel very safe, very secure, very protected because I've got a bunch of relationships around me that, that I can go to at any point in which I feel safe. And you can't say that about a lot of places and a lot of organizations. We're blessed with the people that God has brought here to build what he wants. Because I'll tell you what, Satan does not like us here. You probably have already gathered that. You haven't joined a cruise ship. Hello. Because I've heard the testimonies, you know what? When we joined Can, all hell broke loose. Well, amen, wake up, smell the coffee. If you want to stay safe, go somewhere where it's safe, where they're not trying to 
bring down the kingdom of darkness. But God has given us a mandate to bring healing and wholeness into the world and confront the powers of darkness. Hello. I don't know whether you saw, earlier this week I saw a bit of the news and they had the Freemasons on. And the Freemasons are opening up now and they're, they're appealing to women, they're appealing to young people. They are planning and they're saying that they are more open. What they're not telling the initiates though is that they're worshipping the devil. And what the organisation really is about and the basis of it. So whilst there's openness, there's a lot of things that are still secret and kept from the majority. But God wants to bring us not into that kind of structure, but he wants to bring us into a place of revelation, of light that we heard about this morning because we are people of the light, but we've got to know the darkness does not like the light. And as we shine more and more, he's going to want to bring pressure but when we are together and under that umbrella, God can enable us to go from victory to victory. 2017 is a year of victory and a year of completion and, and, and we're moving into that kind of a scenario because God is a winner. He's not a loser. But so often we can see some of the pressures that come against us and we can think that, that the devil is, you know, as equal a force as what Jesus is, but he isn't. He's a liar. He's a con man, and we've got to fix in with God. So God is building relationally. So there are some that have been born again. They've got a revelation of who Jesus is, but they haven't yet identified their family. What I love to hear from people is, you know what? I really feel that I'm the same tribe. I feel like it, I've come home. When you come home, you're in with family, aren't you? I like that. I feel like this is home because God is building a family and he wants us to be able to identify a family. And we can never know who we are outside the context of our family because the first person that you know when you're born is not you, is it? Probably the first word that baby spoke was not its own name. You know, probably mama or dada, or if you're trying to teach it something else, you know, if you've got a pet or something, you might. But they don't know their own name to begin with. But out of the family context, as they grow up and they get a revelation of the relationship they're in, they then will say, well, I am Stephen Watson. I'm a part of the Watson family. Now, Carol, that was up this morning telling us about, you know, how she's making a move, she likes ancestry.co.uk. She likes looking into people's families because the family is so important and the family context is important because out of the revelation of our family, we find out who we are. It's amazing. One of Jenny's favorite programs on the TV is Long Lost Family. How many of you ever seen that? Long Lost Family. I don't watch it because I always end up crying. Because you see grown men, tough men, who all their life wanted to know who their mum was or who their dad was. And they will be brought to tears when they get a letter 
first of all, maybe from that parent saying, I'm really sorry I gave you up to adoption, but I had this issue and I love you, you know, and I wanted to keep you, but, you know, my parents wouldn't let me. I mean, boy, I break into bits when I listen to these stories and then they meet up. You know, if you can hold yourself together until they fall into each other's arms, then that does it, you know. Because we want to know, don't we? You know, we're, all of us are desperate, you know, and if you've ever been through a situation where you've been adopted, then you'll know the pain of not knowing who your birth parents were and what they did and where they came from. And that's why Ancestor.co.uk it, it is kind of important for people to find out what was my family line about? And we've had we've watched programs on TV, haven't we? And sometimes it's good not to know <laughs> who's in your family line and what's come down. But hey, that's another deal altogether. We want to know our parenting and our family. Now, the good thing about this is that even if you know we have had a dysfunctional family, when you're born into God's family at the new birth then you get a brand new identity. So I think what is always heartwarming to me is the fact that God chose me even before my mum and dad did, before Norman and Linda decided we're going to have a family, God already chose me. So they could come together and bring a sperm and an egg together and start something, but it was only God that brought me to birth with my spirit and my soul. Two, a man and a woman can't do the soul and the spirit bit. We can't. That's why it's a miracle. And we can play about with a test tube all we like, but we will never get the soul and the spirit bit. How does God do that bit? Now we're messing about with test tubes and all that. I don't know. But all I know is it's supernatural. Are you all falling asleep? Turn that thing off on the speaker. We're getting too, we're getting too warm. Are we right? Are we there? Or am I boring? Family is so key. Okay. Uh, th the whole thing about the faith message was this whole thing about God being our Father, Jesus being, you know, joint heirs with us, that everything that the Father is and has and all that the Son shares and all that as we come into a relationship with Him, we come into the fullness of that and that is what the faith teaching is all about. You and I are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We are heirs of the Father. Everything that he has and everything that he is, is ours. We should have the same characteristics. As we look in the scripture to see what he's like, that is what we ought to be like. We ought to be able to express that. Everything that he has at his disposal is available for us. And so the point about the eye without the rest of the body not being, you know, of any use is so key when you talk about the body of Christ because the eye is key. Without it, we're in trouble, aren't we? But it's only valid when it's put into the setting of my body, the rest of my body. And we are a many-membered body and I just love the fact that God's already spoken to us because nobody knew what I was going to be speaking about this morning. We've already heard we need each other. 
we're not independent. We are interdependent. We rely on one another and God's bringing us together to be a strong body. So he's fitting this whole body together. Aren't we glad? Okay. So our joinings are really, really important. And I want to encourage us to keep developing our joinings, the things that build us together. Being part of a team is really vital to build those relationships. Having fellowship outside of church is really key with those in which you're journeying together. We need to spend time in each other's houses. Hello. For fellowship, it's really key. Now, of course, if you go off and start doing Bible studies in your home and inviting other people to that, and you don't share that with the leadership here, that could look as though it's being very, you know, secretive and something is going on and comes out of that umbrella. You know what I'm saying? But we ought to be able to have fellowship and invite one another for meals. Dana's with us now. She's got no family, you know, natural family here in the UK. They're all in the States. And people like her and others that God's bringing in ought to be ones that we think about. Yeah, I need to include them in my circle so that they feel a part of the family and what God's doing here. The devil hates unity. And he will do everything that he can to take us out of a place where we're together, where we're in unity, and try to cause division. That's why we have to be so careful in these days. We're coming to him as a living stone. He's the one that was rejected, but he was chosen by God and precious. And we as lively stones are being built together with him. And we're offering up as a holy priesthood these spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. And it's great what he is doing together. So we need truth. Let me better go back to that one. We need truth and integrity, don't we, uh, with one another. We need um, transparency as well with one another because if we ignore stuff that's going on that's not quite right, like a weakness in the body, if we ignore it, then it's only going to create more of a problem. If you get a, a knee issue or you hurt your ankle, what's going to tend to happen is you're going to compensate for that by putting pressure on another part of your body, right? And then you're going to have a pain and a problem in another part. So we can't deny when there are issues, and that's why, again, this morning, God's been saying to us, we need to ensure that if there's anything that we know that's not quite right, especially offences, because they're really things that the enemy will use. He will fire a dart into our heart to try and take us off track and especially pull us away from leadership in particular. And we've got to be careful that if there's anything there, we don't ignore it, but we deal with it. We say to, to Pastor David and Irene, listen, I feel there's something that, that just is not sitting right and I want to deal with it in order that I can feel that I'm a part and that I'm knitted in. Would you pray with me and get this thing sorted so that we can be 
wholly knitted in and not a weakness where we become ineffective and not functioning properly. God wants us to be able to do that. So it's really key. If we deny the pain, con ourselves we're all right, deception will be trouble. God is taking people out of the body of Christ worldwide through deception. In fact, it says that in the end times, it's going to get to such a place that there's the possibility of even the elect being deceived and being led away because the enemy wants to come in and to seduce us and he'll do it through relationships and through trying to get in to disturb those relationships and to pull us away from each other. So it's a really important that we ensure that our relationships are strengthened. Amen? Amen. So, until we're joined and we're set and we're placed, until we know that we're in a context and a corporate family setting, then there's going to be minimal growth. There might be some growth, but God wants us to grow and to be built together so that our gifts can be fully in the right place and that we can be developed as we move forward. If we don't join together as God wants us to, then we'll never have that. And this is what we'll be like. We'll be like a cleared piece of ground with a great foundation, but nothing built on it. And God doesn't want that. Amen? So, let's pray together. I haven't gotten through this again, but um, okay, this is not an important thing. Let's just stand because we've gone over the mat this morning, placing the imprint of our feet in there to say, God, we want to be a part of what you're doing here. We know in this church that it was not born out of a church split. This ministry was birthed out of an apostle and a prophet uh, praying and prophesying for an apostolic prophetic ministry in this town. And we know that our foundations are what God has set, and so we're building on that. So, Lord, I want to thank you today that, Lord, as we have made a declaration in front of heaven and earth and in front of one another, and especially to second heaven, that, Father, we are planted here, we have placed our feet in this place, and, Lord, no matter what the enemy might try to bring against us, Lord, we declare that we are going to be established in this place and fulfill the calling that you've placed on our individual lives where you've knitted us in. And Lord, we know that you've knit us in. Lord, we are going to see that growth and that development. Thank you, Father, for a foundation of revelation that you brought into our lives of who Jesus is and what he did for me, what he did Father, for each one of us, we thank you that we've had that revelation. And Lord, as time has gone on that you've brought us into the family of God, Lord, thank you that you're knitting us into a local family, Father, where we know that you're pulling us together and knitting us together with what every joint uh, and ligament supplies in order that as we align together as one, 
Lord, you're going to release power and strength into that body. Lord, we recognize you're not going to release the fullness of who you are into a weak body. You're not going to uh, release it into a body that is disabled, but you're going to release it into a body that has chosen to come into a perfect alignment. And so, Father, thank you that the power of God that you have even prophesied is going to be released this year. There's going to be transformation and harvest taking place this year. There's going to be revival. Lord, thank you that you have found people here who are saying yes to being knit together as a relational family. And Father, we call heaven and earth to witness the fact that we have done that today and that now, God, we are asking that you would pour in your Holy Spirit, that you would empower us. And Lord, even as we leave this place today, Lord, we declare that the power of God is going to go with us, that light of who we are as born-again believers, that we, that, that we are the light of the world. And just as a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, so we cannot be hidden either. And Father, we pray that as we leave this place today, Lord, we will take the light of God with us and we will not be afraid to pray for others and release that light where you've given us opportunity during this coming week. In Jesus' name, we pray and say yes and amen. Amen. amen.